Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. Having a good day? Yes, sir. Doing better now. I am so glad to hear that. I know we'll be doing better in about 15 minutes. <laughs> After we're done having our talk about the text. Talk about the text, which is Psalm 42. So I have a Holman Christian Standard Bible here, Psalm 42. For the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as of crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. We've talked about the self-talk. Yes. That it takes self-talk when there are these moments of dehydration, Mm -hmm. when there are moments of drowning, I need to have the self-talk of faith Mm -hmm. rather than just being driven by my feelings and being driven by my fear. The self-talk that reminds me God is really there. Mm -hmm. In fact, yesterday we highlighted from verse 8, you brought this up in verse 8, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The recognition that this son of Korah did know that God really was there, mm-hmm. even though he couldn't feel him. And the way this uh, reading from the Holman Christian Standard captures it, uh, for I will still praise him in verse 11. I will still praise him uh, in verse 5. I'm going to continue on doing Correct. that, even though this is going on. Yeah, this is going on, but I, I'm going to continue, and in the future, I will be praising him. I. I I lay all that out to recognize that there is a sense in which the psalmist understood that no matter where he was, God was with him. Mm -hmm. There is a sense in which the psalmist understood that no matter where he went, he could pray and he could praise God. But I cannot miss in the first half of this psalm that what is causing his despair and his depression and his distress is the inability to get to the temple. Yeah, he is having a a memory, a kind of a flashback, if you will, of times when he had gone to the temple and led people in praise in the temple. This, when I think of that, it makes me very thankful for our covenant. 
Okay. For as the Christian. As Christians, for the covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. The psalm, of course, is written very much in that old covenant perspective mm-hmm. that the one God dwelt in the house. And and while Solomon's prayer when that house was dedicated demonstrated that when folks were anywhere, if they turned toward that house and mm-hmm. prayed toward that house, say as Daniel did. Yes. Three times a day even while he was in captivity, and the house wasn't even there. Right, it had been destroyed. So there is that recognition, yet because of that old covenant concept that this is the house of the Lord, that in Jerusalem is where the Lord dwells, Mm -hmm. there was a very real sense that if I can't get there, I can't appear before God. There was something special and unique about that temple, that temple mount and Mount Zion. I mean, it destroyed the the, the Jewish people um, emotionally and spiritually. The idea that that temple be torn down, or even the the uh, call out that you made, making the connection in the days of the kings, which might be a historical setting for this psalm. The idea that even then the temple could be plundered. Uh, that's horrible, horrible, because it's the house of the Lord, and this is where I go to be with God. Yeah, and that's, I, and and if and if I'm not there. Turning towards the temple is, I guess, a fine substitute if that's all you can have. But being at the temple, that's actually being in the presence of God. This makes me think of John chapter 4. John chapter 4, where there's a fascinating conversation about where should the people of God worship God. And I appreciate the connections when you think about a Samaritan woman out of a Samaritan village talking to Jesus, a Jew, and as we know, the Messiah, but a Jew, there was this same type of debate that really goes back to these times of northern kingdom, divided kingdom, when a psalm like Psalm 42 would have been written. As a Samaritan. Where where do we go worship God? As a Samaritan, she's from the north. She is one of these offspring of the people of other nations that were brought into the northern kingdom by Assyria. But she identifies also as a descendant of Jacob, a father who dug a well. And so there, there is that connection back to yeah. similar ancestry. Mm-hmm. But she asks, hey, where are we supposed to worship? And Jesus responds to that. This is in John four twenty one. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus explains that... There was a period in time where true worship was done at the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he just flat out tells her, he says, look, you're wrong. We don't worship in this mountain. It is right for us to worship now at the temple in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, because right. salvation is coming from the Jews. It is not coming from the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. It is coming from the Jews. It is going to come forth from Mount Zion. That's where salvation is coming. However, the time is coming when... We will worship in spirit and in truth instead of focused on where the location is. This son of Korah is in this moment of despair and depression because he can't get back to the temple. But you and I 
are the temple. We are stones in the temple. We can't be separated from the temple unless we turn our backs on the Lord. That is such an important thing to take away. And something that maybe, you know, 2,000 years of, of history, we're more comfortable with this idea of a spiritual temple and a spiritual worship than how revolutionary it would have sounded to the ears of this Samaritan woman. Maybe even how revolutionary it would have been to this son of Korah. I mean, there was this ongoing debate between the idolaters, the Baal worshipers, and the Asherahs versus the the people of God about where to worship. Every high place, it seemed like, every hilltop, uh, the idolatrous Israelites would want to make another special altar for Baal or place of worship for Baal, the high places. And so again and again in the book of Kings, uh, a restorer would come to the throne. And what's the first thing he's got to do? He's got to go tear down the high places. And yet this insidious uh, idolatry was always creeping back in where people wanted to worship their gods and their ways on their places. And, and, you know, over and against that, here was this message of the one true God is not an idol, is not made with hands. He places his name in this temple, in this place in Jerusalem, and that makes him different. But Jesus is now presenting something in John 4 altogether different than all of it. It's not tied to any one place. It's not tied to any piece of land anywhere. When you're sharing that, I'm thinking that it, it is true that there were many high places to Baal, Yeah, many groves set aside to Asherah, And yet, some of the time when they established those high places and those groves, they claimed it was Yahweh. Mm. When Aaron pulls that that calf out of the fire, like he said, oh, look, a calf. Uh, When he fashions that calf from the fire, what does he say to the people? This is your God who brought you out of Egypt. He's actually not creating a Baal. He's saying this is Yahweh. Jeroboam did the same thing. Yes. When he built his golden calves and set them at Dan and Bethel, he said, Israel, this is your God that led you out of Egypt. There also seem to be times, if I understand it, especially with some of those kings of Judah, when it's trying to say that they were good kings, as it'll say that they wiped out the Baals, but they left some of the high places. And Mm -hmm. I, I always take that to mean that there were high places that they were still devoting to Yahweh, even though what God has said is the temple Mm. is where this is supposed to be. The the temple is where this is supposed to happen. So under that old covenant, what we see is people longing for, I need to be near God. Yeah. And the temple is too far away. Under that covenant, the only answer was, no, you've got to go to the temple. That's right. In fact, with Jeroboam, that was the thing. Look, if you, Jeroboam, if you follow me, if you follow me, I will make a covenant with you, basically like the Davidic like covenant. David, yeah. But what Jeroboam does, he says, no, no, that temple is too far away. i got to bring the temple to me instead of going to the temple. And so he sets up these two alternatives, way mm-hmm. up in the north and also in the southern part of Israel. Of the northern Bethel kingdom. Bethel and Dan. Yeah. <laughs> And, but it's but it's that idea of that's too far away. I, I need a God who's closer to me. God had a plan to make that happen. His plan was not build another temple on another mountain. His plan was not plant a grove on this hill. His plan was, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to die, and that's going to rip the veil. Mm. I, I know I'm getting ahead. It's not Friday, but that's what we've got. I'm going to rip the veil. And what what will happen is... The people will become the temple. Yeah. Yes. That, that's our new covenant. I am never separated from God. I can always bow before 
God. God is with me, not just in the sense of, hey, I'm of the people of the temple. I will turn to the temple. I will remember the temple. I will travel to the temple. It is that I'm, I'm really actually part of that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Mm. We are the temple where God dwells. We, his church, we, his people, are that temple. We never, ever, ever have to feel what this son of Korah felt because we're never separated from the temple. We're always appearing before God. What a powerful message for those whose soul are panting like a deer uh, for water, and and so panting for God, this this blessing of being a new covenant person and a Christian, a part of His temple, where His Spirit dwells. We're so glad that you joined us for text talk today. Loving this forty second Psalm. What are you learning as you're reading along with us? Send us an email and let us know. Text talk at christiansmeethere dot org. Text talk at christiansmeethere dot org. Edwin, would you lead us in prayer? Holy God. Fill us. Fill us with your glory. You promised in Ephesians chapter 3 that we who are your church, that, that you would grow us, that we could be full of the glory that is your glory. We ask you to, to take your church and demonstrate your glory to this world around us. Lord, help us and, and demonstrate through us that it really does matter who your God is. Give us comfort. Hold us in your hand. May we recognize by faith that you are with us, we are with you, that you are in us, and you're working through us. We love you, Lord God. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne.